All right. Zaisha Elliott, this is Black Girl from Eugene. As promised, here I am yet another week. <laughs> um, before we get started, I want to um, obviously and always and consistently and every day share gratitude for my Patreon um, supporters. These folks pay money to support me, to keep me motivated and um, supplied, right, with what I need to continue the podcast. <laughs> and trust me, some days it's very difficult, but I remember my Patreon and I'd be like, let me get on this podcast right here because they deserve um, content. So I want to thank you, everyone who's been supporting me. And I have some longtime supporters and I, I am, I'm serious every time I say it, it's very deep, uh, the gratitude that I have for y'all. So thank you so much. And I always want to start my podcast out with that. Um, also, I want to say that tomorrow, um, I don't like to date these podcasts because I do like produce them in different times, but I'm going to give um, some recognition to my mother's birthday tomorrow. And my mother passed away last year, and it has been a wild transition to life without my mother. Even at my age at 45, you're never ready to be without your mother when you are close to your mother, right? And me and my mom used to talk every single day on the phone, um, pretty much until about like a week, maybe two weeks before she passed away. We were on the phone. Um, So I miss her a lot and I didn't want to go without mentioning that on my podcast, just that, you know, my mother would have been 82 years old and she was and is the most incredible energy that you could ever, you know, have in your life. So I, I, I'm honored to be her daughter. So I'm going to just say that uh, before we get started. So thank you so much. Um, all right. So today we are going to be talking. Now, this is funny because I don't really have a title for this. And what we're going to do is we're going to just have this conversation and we'll try to keep it to an hour because we up here late parents out here trying to squeeze in our business, right? So um, we're going to do this. And I feel like what, what made me spark the, the record button was, you know, all skin folk, ancient kin folk. So that to me rings very deep with some things that are going on in the news right now with what we're going to talk about and what, you know, in my life generally as a black conscious person growing up in a predominantly white space with people who are not actually relatable to my experience, right? Other people who look and sound like me <laughs> are not relatable to my experience. Um, so today, who I have with me is Deontay Carter. Um, and here, located in Eugene right now, but coming to Oregon from Virginia, uh, like seven years, no, how long has it been? Like 10 years? No, not quite 10 years. Eight years? Okay. So it's been eight years since you've been here, a uh, business owner, retail company called Positive Energy Only. For those on the audio, you can't see the logo, but it's very pretty, very pretty. <laughs> You've got the hat, very nice. Yes, looks very good. <laughs> so Positive Energy Only. Um, also, the first black-owned security company in the Eugene area, so congratulations on that. Uh, that's amazing. Football coach. Uh, like I said, business owner, family man, welcome to my little platform, Deontay. Thank you, Aisha, for having me. Um, it's an honor to be here. Um, it's an honor to share this space with you and my condolences to your loss. But I really, I really am 
inspired and enamored at the way that you uh, pay respect, you know, to your late mother and, you know, in honor of your podcast and your show that you continue to, you know, speak for her and your, your supporters and followers. And also, I'm going to mute myself in between because I have a teething baby and it's bedtime. So. I know. I can't hear her. I'm surprised I can't hear her, though. You must have some good um, setup with your with your recording because I can't hear her at all. Well, that's what's up because my phone <laughs> is sitting on picture frames and it's sitting on a, a, a nursing bag. So that's lit. <laughs> that's lit. See, look, people think we'd be fancy out here. We ain't fancy. We just get it done. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We just be getting it done. All right. So, <laughs> I appreciate you. So don't worry if you have to mute or have to go do something. I understand. Look, family people out here, you're doing your thing. Um, and I know that little little one with teething, you know, she's doing, she's, you know, it's hard being little. <laughs> it's hard. It is hard being a little baby. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> it's rough. Sometimes I have, uh, I've got three kids with me right now. That I am raising, I said like right now, as if they're gonna move out tomorrow. But we're, we, I have three babies that I'm raising. They are my grandchildren, and so I have a set of twins that are two and a half years old, and my grand, and my older grandson who's five. So I think I was telling you this earlier today. It's lit always, all the time. From the we get up at five thirty in the morning here in Costa Rica, school starts at seven fifteen. So we are up and out. And it is go time from like five. They are up and ready. So I understand it. Look, we out here hustling, business owners, doing our damn thing. So I think it kind of leads into like what I'm saying. Um, As you have come from Virginia to Oregon, I want and I think I brought this up on my podcast before, but I want to talk about it. When somebody comes who is from a, a, a community that is a black community, that and I and I don't even care what community you come from that is black, but when you have a strong community that is black, meaning that you are seen, you know, you probably have black teachers, you definitely have black friends, you have you know black partners, you've had like the experience is a black experience, whatever that experience may be, whatever that definition of black is for you, it was deeply um, not questionable. <laughs> you knew where you're from. Um, and then you move here <laughs> to Eugene, not here, but to Eugene. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? So when I first, when I first, first moved here, um, I, I, I will say I, I enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? It was new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, I really enjoyed was the fact that, um, Marijuana was legal. Yep. Where I, I came from, uh, people were getting persecuted for it. I mean, not persecuted, prosecuted for it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, and, and I mean, it even happened to me. I ended up uh, doing um, seven months for a parole violation because I had some dirty ways. Yeah. I was going through, going through a lot of things. And, um, yeah, so when I came over here and I found out that it was legal, I was just like, hooray. But then, you know, um, <laughs> you know uh, I've been working this, at the same place since I got here, Lane Community College. Um, also a student there as well, about yeah. to graduate. Just- uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm studying to be a scientist. My major is horticulture, plant breeding, and genetics. Um, I've been there for a while. Yeah, uh, had to 
know, life. And then also, uh, I didn't really go to the school during the pandemic because mm-hmm. I was still the gate, uh, being in a new position after being in one position for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, story for another time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was just trying to focus and I, I actually educated myself on Zoom because I just felt like that was the way it's going to go. So now I'm very like Zoom tech savvy. Um, so yeah, um, basically coming from Virginia to Oregon, um, I really didn't like um, the fact that when I was seeing another you know, a black person, African-American, Africana, Africano descent. And I seen them and I would acknowledge them like just in passing, you know, I, it's not like I want to, you know, hey, run down. Right, right, right. Just, I just, you know, say, hey, well, what's up? You know, good old head nod. You, you got to do the nod. You got to nod. And, and then I don't get it. You feel me? Or you look the other way, you start trying to tie your shoes. Okay. Or I mean, like that would, that would like, really frustrated now it's just like I, I still have a chance i still acknowledge my kinfolk you know what i'm saying and if they don't choose to acknowledge me that's fine because no matter what i'm not going to compromise myself under any circumstances situation so, now i love what you just said because i know i'm gonna interrupt you for a second because i want to add this in now i'm gonna do i want to say how i'm gonna say this like okay what what you just like, okay look I, like I'm trying to say what you just said is the cornerstone of an argument that I have with and about black folks all the time. I'm okay. not gonna compromise myself for whatever is uncomfortable for you, right? 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 So so folks in Eugene, Oregon, the Pacific Northwest, predominantly white spaces, black folks are there's a there's this complication of identity. And when you when you have this a mixed race identity, or you're just you're black and you've been raised around predominantly white area, and you don't have any black support, um, then you get put into a black area, and then you have this phenomenon like I'm not black enough for the black folks. Black folks are telling me I'm not black enough, and then I come here and I'm too black to be here too, so that I don't know where I belong, right? And that is legitimate experience for people. And I always say, I'm very light, I'm very, very light-skinned, right? I didn't know that that was even a thing until I went moved down south. I lived in Texas for 10 years. I didn't even understand colorism at all until I moved there. Because as light as I am and as, as flat as my diction, like the way I speak is, my diction is, I, I was still too black for Eugene, right? So as much as I tried, my mindset has always been black. I have very black family. I have a very black parents. Like my identity in my home was never questionable. Outside, I had to like tap dance and, and, and be a bicultural person. I had to be more white outside and I couldn't bring that shit inside my house. And I definitely wasn't bringing the, the consciousness I had from my home outside because then I would be, you know, isolated. So I had to figure this thing out. So when I hear people say that, I'm, I'm compassionate. I understand the psychological experience of not feeling like you're accepted. And people actually saying, hey, you ain't, you ain't really black. Like, you, ain't, you don't have no black fucking problems being all light-skinned or being 
half black or having your little curly hair. Like, you know how we've talked mess, right? right? But from your perspective, I'm, I'm wondering, because <clears throat> I know how I feel about that. Because I've been telling them, like, just because you ain't never seen my kind of black don't mean I'm not black, right? You don't actually get to tell me how black I am. <clears throat> that's, who, that's how I feel. But from your perspective, coming from this direction, talk on it. Yeah, so um, to give you a little, little more backstory, I ain't going to go too deep. Um, we got time. <laughs> do what you got to do. My parents um, both were in the military. Um, my mom was a single mom, though. She raised me by herself. Uh, and um, she, like Carter, um, she was adopted by a white family, and we lived in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. We also, we also, each on pizza. We also bounced around a lot. You know what I'm saying? And moved around a lot. So, um, from New Hampshire, I went to Virginia, right? And it's also a difference in schools, right? Schooling North to South, Union and Confederacy, it's a really big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. When I moved to Virginia, I was young, um, probably like my eldest son's age. I got three kids. He's eight, my eldest. Um, and um, yeah, I moved down there around that time. And when I got there, um, that's when I learned about prejudices amongst races. Mm-hmm. You know, pre- prejudices within your own race. Right. And then prejudices against other races. Because where I come from, north or south, people tell you, how they feel straight to your face. They don't sugarcoat nothing. Nope. <laughs> so at the Virginia, you know what I'm saying? I got I got beat up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real with you like. You know, and I, I was raised around white folks, you know, for like the first eight years of my life. And we you know, I had little scraps with my cousins or whatever, but mm-hmm. but my mom had married into this other family, you know what I'm saying? I had a real black family, you feel me? Like, I got my ass whooped. Not only that, my ass whooped at school. And, like, it's, you know, it's not my mother's fault because she didn't really know no better because, like, she she didn't really take me to the barbershops, like, talking about, so she would cut my head. Right. You feel me? Get all this shit from the military, so I get the ball skillet. So now I go to school, I got this big old shiny chrome dome. Somebody. <laughs> It's a target, a target right in the back of your damn <laughs> Fighting, fighting for that. I'm fighting for that. And and then um, I'm also fighting because kids is like, oh, you talk white. You mm-hmm. feel me? When I'm just talking proper because I'm educated. You right. know what I'm saying? Nothing with, you know, having a vernacular. Mm-hmm. Vocabulary. So it took me a while to get through that. It took me... Um, Actually, after being incarcerated in Virginia to get over that, I, I, that's when I really like learned myself and I had a number of time with myself. But um, yeah, so learning all that in Virginia, you know, and then finding my identity, um, that's what helped me when I came to Oregon. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I noticed or learned about a lot of people out here. Like we spoke, like you had spoke about a little earlier in the, in the show is that, you know, a lot of black folks from Eugene struggle with identity crisis. They don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to, I had to learn who I was fast. I had to grow up fast because 
even in the predominantly black community, you have to grow up fast. Mm-hmm. You know, the way it is, like white family don't have to tell their children certain things, you know, and they don't have to tell their children a history or a false narrative and what to, the pitfalls to watch out for and things like that. Mm-hmm. They don't have to worry about those things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're telling their children about economics, something that wasn't passed down to, you know, our children, but, you know, as the new age, that's something that we pass it down. And not to mention all them, all that stuff I went through in school, I also had to, you know, like, I had to come home and get it too. My mom's a single mom. She ain't playing no games. Right. <laughs> 100%. Why you keep getting in trouble? This, that, and the third. Because he... He said my mama was on my shoulder and he pushed it off. So, so I hit him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right. like, so, so to come out here, you know, after everything I experienced, um, and it and I did get a little torn, you know, at times when people wouldn't acknowledge me back or um, people would be uh, what's that word placeholders mm-hmm. or, or acting very well, mm-hmm. like you know they you assume or think they black because of certain things that may be relatable. And then, you know, when it come down to the nitty gritty titty, you just, you know, use a, use a phony. Mm-hmm. Use a, what, what's uh, one of my mentors out here like to call him? He likes to call him a buck dancer. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I just, it's a trial and error, man. You know, experiences in life will teach you in life. There ain't no better teacher but that, mm-hmm. you know, so, I guess I'm going to stop talking now. No, no, you're good. You're good. So, I mean, I was like jotting down things because there was so much that you were saying that I feel like um, there, there was a part where you, you mentioned having like to teach, to be, not to be harder, but like that's how it was, was when I was, I don't even know how, how old are you? Are, are we like, how old are you? Oh, don't get insulted. I'm 31. You're 31? Ah, <laughs> oh, you're, you're so much younger than I am. Holy shit. Okay, so I'm 45. Okay, so I'm about to tell you something you may not know about. But <laughs> when I was when I was in school, I mean, there was a thing that was like, you know, this talking proper, that, that term talking proper, right? Uh, and you you okay. said... Yeah, like kids had to grow up. We had to grow up. They say we were hard. Like you had to grow up hard, right? And so, and yeah, and you were mentioning how white families don't have to talk to their children about that. They're talking about economics. But now that we're we're evolving and now we're trying to teach our children about how to own a home and how to do, uh, to invest and how to save and, what are you saying? Financial literacy. Financial literacy. And we're, we are, we're, we're teaching, uh, we're learning and now our children are learning, which is different for even out, even my generation. It was a different narrative that was coming down. They talked about it, but they didn't actually know how, right? There, there was no wealth. There was no, uh, there was still very, not still, there were very real barriers of entrance into, uh, into financial institutions um, that were a lot less, um, hidden they were very much up front <laughs> right when my parents exactly when my parents were trying to do it so i was thinking about this when you said it and i was like our children you know this this and i'm air quoting softness that um 
that comes with the with growing up in the black culture that is the Oregon Pacific Northwest black culture for some reason um is diluted with a sense of safety within the white community because like the 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 hardness or this this reality based realness that that the black community gives their children isn't given to the black children that are here that are in this white community right and i feel like it's a false sense of security around whiteness where the black folks it's not that we're teaching our children like that it's hard right but it's that we're saying this is what life is really like out here this is what is going to be expected of you but remember this is a false narrative who you are is this, and you have a right to all of these things. You're going to hear this bullshit over here, but this is what's really real. That will make you grow up fast. Can I jump in? Of course. All right, cool. So um, <clears throat> I will say it was great that I moved out here. Um, it changed my life for the better. Um, and being growing up fast, you know what I'm saying? I realized how slow people are to change yeah how slow will spin so it may, <clears throat> I'm, I'm being humble when i say yeah i can run fastly you know what i'm saying not you in general but you know others right because you know the way i grew up and i i've I seen all the complacency out here how people move so one thing that i learned um through the bsu black student union mm-hmm. um i joined that joint <laughs> um I went to a OSOC conference, which is Oregon Students Association of Color. Something like that. that, yeah. Yeah, but <clears throat> it's, it's it's like um, it's like a it's like a BSU, but no, it's more like an Osprey or an OSA type mm-hmm. thing. You know, what I'm saying leadership uh, led group, and um, there was people from all over the Pacific Northwest there. Um, Eugene, Salem, uh, Albany, Band. Um, you had people from Portland. You had people from Vancouver. You had people from um, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you even had some people from Northern Cali that attended. And um, we started to talk about this very same conversation. And um, I got to hear the perspective from people who were born and raised here, you know, Mm -hmm. got certain last names, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and I got to hear their perspective. You feel me? And, um, I learned that the reason why when you see somebody in passing, um, they ignore you or try to evade you, um, is because they were taught, to That's not right. associate, especially if he came from some, or he or she came from, or they mm-hmm. came from some, you know what I'm saying? Because you <clears throat> grow, it's that old oppressive, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's that information that was shared around here. And not only that, um, uh, they also spoke on like how it's intimidating to be around someone who's so culturally experienced or, you know, uh, 
who knows their identity mm-hmm. and has history and lineage. Like, I mean, yeah, there's people who had a history and lineage because I spoke on last names or whatever, but it's just like they kind of feel like a sense of guilt or shame that they have been passed this information and they know this. And it's just, it's, it's literally, it's literally bred into you. Like how in, in the South where I came from, um, it's bred into you. Like when you see police run, Mm -hmm. you know, it's different, you know, we, we all got, you know what I'm saying? But it's, that's, that's what I learned out here. And I'm glad that the people that I was in that room with that was strong enough to share that experience with me, that kind of helped me realize who I was dealing with. So I'm glad and I'm, I'm proud that I was able to um, be in that space and learn more of, of their side. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely. that helped me to be. <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. I'm like clearing my, my throat. Um, no, I love that you brought that up because that is... Um, <clears throat> that's so real. I know exactly who you're talking about. I know exactly the story you're talking about. I've heard it a lot. I respect the family. My family was one, uh, you know, a family that came in and was closely associated with the first black families, you know, of the area. Um, they moved in from St. Louis. So it was a different conversation that they were having when they got here. Um, they weren't families that were here from the forties, right? They came in the seventies. So it was a different conversation it wasn't stay safe it wasn't be the good black folks in the in the town right hey, I'm out. dangerous that's what it was yes we were the day right we came in with some bullshit no, like, <laughs> we came in bringing the problems like and we're still that part. the thing is is that what's interesting about what you're saying is that the the, the lineage of the families and not, not just the particular family that we're speaking of but like the lineage of the family it hasn't we haven't gone that far I've, my family has never been not involved in evolving the culture of Eugene. Like, my dad was the first black DJ bringing jazz into Eugene, right? Through KLCC. Yeah, I mean, like, that. he was, he had a, he had a spot on KLCC for the longest time. And, uh, and bringing jazz, I mean, he, he brought in, um, uh, People that people had never would have thought of would be coming through um, Eugene, bringing jazz and bringing that that deep culture there. My brother, you know, has has always worked hard for the community, um, the NAACP. I have always worked hard. Our family has always we've always been that one, but we have always been separate from the black community yeah. in Eugene, right? Yeah. We've never been able to really actually like. It's always been kind of like this, and I think that a lot of the black community in Eugene has that issue of when you have people who are not from Eugene or who are, who have not taken in this narrative of there's, there is a way to be around white folks and we're going to be that thing. Then there is a way that you are with black folks that isn't conducive of how you are around white folks. So what comes first, right? That conversation I think is, is for me, is why I can't, is, is a barrier. I want to say it like that. That conversation is a barrier. Who are we together versus who are we in the shadow of white folks? And if that's what we're, if that's what we're doing, then we're not actually connecting as black folks. And does that make sense? 
No, that makes it 110 percent right there. You hitting it on the head, right? So I'm just I, like, well, go ahead. No, I mean, because it's just like we still operating in silos. Mm-hmm. You know, still a sense of autonomy because it's just like it's a it's a day and them situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm? It's just like I'm trying to quit and stop all this day them, but it's just like. Same time, I can't force nobody to do anything. I'm not in control of nobody but myself. I could take you to the water, but I can't make you drink it. Amen. (laughs) Yes. We can sit here, not you and I, but I'm saying like, we can have a conversation with someone else who's in the community doing things like this, that, and the third. But it's just like, okay, it don't go no further than the conversation. You know, like, I, I've i had a business, you've had a podcast, I'm on your podcast. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My business through your podcast. You feel me? And right. we, we met, like, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm talking about as working together. But it ain't the same when you have conversations with people and they be like, oh, yeah, I want to do this, I want to do that. <laughs> right? All that rah-rah stuff. <clears throat> and then... Or like, or like they how to say, like how they say out here, whoop de whoop. Um, <laughs> yep. It, it don't go nowhere, but I see <clears throat> that, like it, and, and you doing this and you doing that, but then when you see me, you know what I'm saying, you you want to kiss my ass, right? You feel, but I ain't got, I'm not with that no more. You you know what I'm saying, and it's just like I'm not with trying to, I'm not with trying to educate people who don't want to be educated. I'm yeah. done. With that. Well, you know, I feel like people are picking up a narrative so that they can, so that they don't have to to look at their their wound, right? So they're gonna pick up something else, so they don't have to pick the look at what's actually bleeding out on the other side. And for me, right? And for me, like, okay, so I met this girl I, before I moved out. <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what the heck. I should have got some water. But anyway, um, yeah. So I, so I like, um, okay. So I, I, I was at Albertson, right? A store, a local store in Eugene. And I was doing something, and the girl who a girl was working at the meat counter, and she said, "I love your locks." Hey, girl, I love your locks. And I said, I looked over and I said, "Hey, where are you from?" Because <laughs> I already knew she wasn't from there, right? I said, "Hey, girl, where are you from?" And she was like, "I'm from New York." And she came from out around the co- the corner, all the thing. And then we are we sat there and we talked for a half hour because she was like, "I was like, I already knew." And she was like, and I could tell immediately. So as soon as she saw that I had, like, I was open for the approach. I was open for the connection. We were about to relate. We were about to, like, have a moment together as two black women. Um, and I don't even know if she was black, actually. I think she may have been Puerto Rican. Well, yeah, she was black, Puerto Rican and black. Because she was telling me all about it. She came around the corner and she said, I already knew because I talked to people here and they just keep on going. Right. If I and I knew because she shouted out across the store, not across the store, but across the hall, the that to get my attention, I knew immediately she wasn't from here. Cause she was like, I see you. And I was like, what? And I was like, wait, 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 let's let's have this conversation. So we did. And just that that relatability, like to be able to relate to each other. I have I have hoodies, right? <clears throat> I have I had, well, I have merchandise for my company. I can tell, I cannot tell you how many people who were black that actually bought my hoodies. And especially the group that you and I are talking about or 
the leadership of the state, like I won't even talk about just Eugene, but the state of Oregon, I'm, I'm in that circle. I know those people, those people know me and don't nobody have my hoodie. But I guarantee you that um, if I were to have a collaboration or someone would, I mean, I knew this girl from, from Albertsons for about 30 seconds before I, she was like, where'd you get your hair done? I was like, girl, here, call this person. Let me, get, let me see your phone. And we're doing this thing, right? You see, so for me, it was like that simple gesture of I'm going to lift you up. Because we in this space together, and clearly it is just you and I in this damn space together. So if nobody else is going to help you, I will. Right. That, that is something that is black. Yes. To me. And that's, that's what's missing. That's, that's the part that's <clears throat> missing. Me. What a lot of people, I'm going I'm to better articulate myself. Um, so that way people can understand. Um, it's, so it's being an individual right and then there is being an entrepreneur right a business owner right um when you cross that threshold right there your life changes <laughs> for numerous reasons because now you the boss, you know what i'm saying and it's okay for you to be a boss and still work somewhere else that's just another income Get your multiple streams of income, people. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you can do it on your own, less headache. It's just more heartache. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> that's, hey, look, that's the, that's the line. That's the line right there. <laughs> the, what, what I'm trying to say is, like, I literally had this conversation today with um, a good brother, uh, Andre Royal. Um, so... When you cross this threshold of becoming a business owner, now you are really seeing, uh, you are really perceived as a threat or intimidating, um, like, dang, he might take my spot type type feel. That's I, I, I get that because I know from past experiences that that's how they think and feel. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, instead of you know, hating on the next person because they decided to, you know, be ambitious, mm-hmm. right? Why not just, you know, share the information or try to help them or, you know, name drop them in a good way. Like, oh, yeah, like you said earlier, like, yo, these people offer these goods and services. You should go holler at them, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Versus, <clears throat> you know backbiting them and being like, oh man, they ain't shit and this, that, and the third and mm-hmm. throwing salt because, you know, you you upset or you jealous on the fact that somebody that came out here, been out here less time and did more things <laughs> than you done your whole career. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not my fault. And then on top of that, you know, I'm not faulting you for that. You feel me? Like, if you want to do that, you want to be salty, be salty, bro. It's not going to make me know that mind because I'm still going to shine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm still going to be that person that shares that information, you know what I mean? Because I'm a leader. I'm a pillar. You know, I've I've created this space, you know what I mean, for myself and those who follow after me. Especially being where I work at in LCC, being in the uh, higher education, you know, that that really 
it really opened my eyes because when I got incarcerated, you know what I'm saying? I was a, I was a teen. So I learned that side of the system mm-hmm. growing up in schools. I learned that side of the system. So then getting into higher ed, I learned this part of the system. And it was, it was glorious because I was in a place where there was other people that looked like me. And I realized in, you know, in the BSU, like, like, dang, even though y'all look like me, y'all can't relate. Y'all looking at me. Mm. And it's just like, I was feeding off that. Like, okay. I remember saying, watch this, y'all. I'm about to start a business. I did it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I just kept being that. I kept doing that. I kept getting into it. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing events, things like that. And then the next thing you know, I started doing community events. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I started doing these things. You feel me? And you know what I'm saying? Then that's when the love changed. You feel me? Like, <laughs> going to come up. You know what I'm saying? You rising, you're doing this, you're doing that. You feel me? And now I'm watching people slowly that was around me drop away or drop off. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't take everybody with you. Mm-mm. But if, if I can impart something on somebody, that's all that matters to me. You know what I mean? Because you only get one ticket. You know what I mean? So might as well give it all you got. <laughs> yeah, you don't regret it later on. So, you know, I want to make sure, especially being where I'm at right now, and shout out to um yeah shout out to lane for for getting um a new black president she's a female as well mm-hmm. a woman sorry black mm-hmm. strong black woman yeah. <laughs> oh, you feel me and um, also the other brother um who's vice president you know what i'm saying come from the come from the island the caribbean area mm-hmm. uh southern southern um united states florida you feel me like because i've been there for eight years and it's a it took what? Is it fifty four? I can't do the math right now. I had a cup of rum. But I think it was like fifty, sixty years mm-hmm. before that happened. You feel me? So to see that is just an it's just breathing more life into me. So now I'm just like, I gotta go harder. You know what I'm saying? I gotta I gotta work smarter. I gotta keep on being the outlet, not the plug. Mm-hmm. I gotta keep on being the outlet for others because, you know what I'm saying, it's it's bigger than me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when I this company and the other one, you feel me? I'm willing to go to war about it. Right. You know? I'm ready to go all the way on the line because this is this goes beyond me. So yes, yes. No, I uh, there's a there's a few folks uh, that have moved in and <clears throat> are loosely associated, I'd say, with or at least I'm gonna say that they not understand but they overstand the situation with the black community in Eugene um and they not that they isolate themselves but they I see and I've talked you know privately with the the two or three people I'm talking about who have come in and taken positions of leadership and are actually creating impactful change for the the community um of color like the of Everyone, you know, black, indigenous, no matter what, they've come in and they've actually created something despite the the narrative of the experience black folks want to say they have here because 
there's always this comparison to what white folks will allow it to happen, right? Versus having the knowledge of what, it's not about allowance, but it's about creation and perseverance, which is that hardship we were talking about with the children before. Black folks that come in with an idea of like, there is no narrative about what we can do, it's what we will do. And that is the difference between a black mindset and a mindset that's trying to be black. That's not, it's not, it's not the same, right? And so I see it, and I'm thinking of a woman in particular, she's coming and she's killing it, she's killing it, and she's creating um, real change and it's impactful. I, I think, well, this is a kind of a different topic in a way. I mean, it's the same thing, but like, I, I've said this on my podcast before, and I don't, know if it's like a, I mean, I do know that it is a skill, but I also think about like the community, like you were saying, a black, a strong black woman who is, who is, um, the president, is the president of LCC. So yes. And so, um, I have, I have, (laughs) I have an issue (laughs) with, um, you know, the black women have been doing a lot. And when you, if you look around in, in the Pacific Northwest and you see things that are completed, that are done, that have been, that have been brought in and, and impactful, black women are at the hint that are, are behind these things. Oh yeah. And we still don't have black men in, within the community, like the same effort that you're talking about. You want to lift each other up, but we got black, we got black women who are owning full companies for years in Eugene, Right. And they don't have no black men who are in the positions of power that white men are, are looking at, but they ain't lifting up their sisters. I, I'm like, so I have a hard time. I have a hard time, y'all. I do, I do, I do. I'm not even, I'm not even worried about it because I don't think I, I mean, outside my family, the black men that have supported me from the gate, I can count on one hand. Or less. Yeah. Shout out to Joshua Stroud for being my first black man who uh, supported my Patreon and is still supporting my Patreon. So, <laughs> but shout out to my man Wendell Butler, Silent Warrior. Shout out to my man Jason Reynolds, Jason Floyd, Silent Warrior. See, there's a, there's folks who are who are out here that are like, I I'm not I'm not seeing the connection is broken and. The problem with that I have is that with with the community worldwide, uh, and I'm gonna okay. Let, let me not go worldwide. Let me back that up. Let me just go in the United States. The connection that I have, the issue I have, is that we aren't actually talking to each other about what's broken within within us. We're trying to move forward, but when we're moving forward without healing what's hurt between us, what we're doing in, as we move forward is a reflection of whiteness and trying to catch up to what white folks are doing, which is, is like not our potential. Uh, <laughs> it's under our potential. Thanks. Right? And so I feel like that's because it's trauma response. It's not a Damn. healed space. Damn right, and I'm gonna get into that. Um, also, shout out to uh, Sean, 
Sean Swagger. Hope I said his name right. I know, I love um, Sean. <laughs> yes. Um, so the reason why not only is it like it here and also in this nation, you know what I mean, is because that, you know, well, you got to think about it. All right, so let's talk about incarceration real quick. I learned as a baby, you feel me? Mm-hmm. I'm still a baby in the elder's eyes. Cool. But um, as a baby, I learned like, damn, everybody in here looked like me. I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> something, something ain't right, because y'all over here fighting over food. This ain't it. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Money, you can't get uh, loving, and you can't get fresh air. You can't you can't get uh, a glass of water in the middle of the night and scratch your balls in the fridge. No, you can't get none of that. Okay. So this ain't for me. So you keep all that. But majority of this nation, you feel me, like slavery never stopped. It just migrated into the um, prison system. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why you don't see um, black men in authority or power. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like, the police being slave catches just never stop. You feel me? It's, it's just like the, the truth of the matter is it's the truth. People have a hard time accepting the narrative. That's why they're so against critical race theory. Mm-hmm. You can take side of the story, but you can't teach us the other side. That's your side. Mm-hmm. It ain't my side. And also, you keep telling us that we're the minority. We're the majority. Let's get that right. Okay, because majority of the consumers in this nation is people who look like you and I. Mm-hmm. So it's okay for women to be in who are black to be in power. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't okay if a man is. Because if a man is in power, you feel me? That man is, if that man is intelligent, he's dangerous. And time and time and time again, You've seen all our strong male leadership fall. And then they leave, they they leave, I'm sorry, the 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 burden, or not just the burden, but the workload on the women. That just keeps us all distracted. You feel what I'm saying? Because now single mom gotta do more work. She gotta do, she gotta play more multiple roles now because they done took the strength away. And I what 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 book was it that I read? Um, uh, I can't remember the book, but basically, in the book, it was about Willie Lynch. You know what I'm saying? And how um, how you 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 um, how you break a horse? Mm-hmm. That trauma has never stopped. Mm-hmm. The same breaking horses to tame them. Is the same thing that they did to us as people. You feel me? Oh, they they tied the nigger to the nag. Mm-hmm. That's what the book. Oh, that's what the me? book is called. Nah, that's not what the book is called. We currently we just moved in. To a no, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna share this joint and I'm gonna put it in uh, future uh, future credits or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I can put it in the you, show notes. Yeah, when you when you when you tie the nigger to the nag, you feel me? That's how you, you break them. You know what I'm saying? So when you take the man out the household and everything falls on the woman, she in constant duress. You know what I'm saying? So, And it's okay because, hey, this is more feminine. You know what I'm saying? This is a patriotic place. The system is a caste system. It was built on males. So, you know, 
we can let we can allow these women because they we don't really see them as a threat. But the males, you know what I'm saying, who they constantly they constantly talk about Martin Luther King. He was an intelligent man in school, but they don't talk about Malcolm X like that. They talk about Malcolm X like they talk about Black Panthers. You feel me? They they hated white folk. So feel me? they hate and the third. You know what I'm saying? But that's that's not the full story. That's just your narrative. Well, I feel like Okay, so I'm gonna challenge you on something. But first, I'm gonna say, when everybody, when anyone brings up Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, I'd be, I'd be like, those are the two black folks that white folks want to talk about, right? When we got so many other people to talk about besides Martin Luther King, besides Malcolm X, right? That you know, you know, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, because that's who they say. Well, that that if we're gonna talk about blackness, well, let's talk about this person. How about we don't? How about we talk about Huey P? Why don't we talk about somebody that you really don't want to talk about or know about? Let's talk about something a little that's deeper than that. Mm-hmm. If I remember, talking father, ain't it? Who? Huey P. Newton. No, <laughs> no, but he's a he's a Black Panther though. He's a but look so. Yeah, so this is the thing. What I was what I was gonna say is I want to ask you a question that might that might challenge what you're saying a little bit, but I want to hear what you have to say. Do you feel like in that trauma that black men are experiencing that they have resentment towards black women? Um. Yes. Okay. I, do. I was supposed to say because if it wasn't yes, we're about to go in. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Okay. Um. You know, especially uh, growing up and uh, raised by my mother solely, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've seen it, you know what I mean? And it's just the way, it's just the way that we were bred, you feel me? Like, like I spoke about a little earlier, you know, it's, it's not our fault the way that we were brought up, but it's our fault if we don't learn more about the way we were brought up and try to, you know, educate ourselves mm-hmm. about how we were brought up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate women. You feel me? Like, yo, women women are strength. You know what I'm saying? First of all, as a father of three, husband, shout out to my wife in the back holding <laughs> shout my Shout out <laughs> Um Y'all y'all bring miracles into this world, but there's a lot of men who who only see things one way. You know what I'm saying? My relationship is it goes both ways. I can't have it all my way, but she can't have it all her way. You know, it's uh, we we have to we have to share power, especially if you're two dominants. You know what I'm saying? You can't just be in here. If if we if we don't make compromises or or uh, we don't we don't share equal power, then we're gonna constantly be at war. And this is a, I mean, obviously to make this in an inclusive conversation is we're talking about binary households. So this is like, you know, um, we're talking about cisgendered binary households that make sense, that historically have been under, under um, duress in the black community and have in the center of this conversation been focused upon um, in the centralization of white supremacy. So that's what we're talking, that's, that's the lens in which we're talking about. So I don't want people coming at me like, this was not con- inclusive. Right. I want, oh, no. I, I'm always thinking inclusively, but this conversation is in, in, uh, in terms of, of this dynamic. And so, um, and cause I, I think the other conversation that we're having is absolutely something that, uh, you know, 
I, I want to have a conversation about uh, with non-binary families that, that reflect the um, traditionally excluded communities. But this conversation is, is not that at this moment. So I wanted to put that out there. Um, and so anyway, that, yeah, I mean, I, I, back to the trauma, the trauma I feel is, is something that collectively, if we don't address our trauma within our own community, all of this other that we're talking about, we're, we're literally just doing the tap, we're just tap dancing. It's never, it's not actually about us. Like right now, and I, and I should probably research it a little bit more, but like, you, you heard about the girl at, at USC who brought in, um, she, I, I don't know, she was a, a majorette and she brought in an HBCU style um, and she like created uh you know the 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 style of 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 major at the dances the dancers of HBCUs so how they they come you know how it is in the in the uh, football and they come in and they have I mean it's clearly like dominant dance styles it's clearly black style dancing it's clearly uh, related directly to I think that there's a lot just the styling of the Divine Nine and all of these things that are in there having this signature of of um of a particular type of style, right? And it's directly tied to HBCUs and black culture. This girl is a black girl uh going to a predominantly white institution who is actually creating an HBCU style dance team and and doing this thing at USC. And she's getting push and pull from the the school and from black schools that are saying that's ours. What are you doing? Why are you doing something that's unique to HBCUs at somewhere like USC? But she's a black girl who is trying to create black community where she is and getting pushed back from the HBCUs because that is, she's showing, this goes back to trauma, she's showing white folks something that is traditionally black and also understanding that white folks will then take it and white it down into some shit that it's not. And then we have then lost yet another piece, right? So, there, so it's a dynamic conversation to have, right, in a position that she's in. And at the same time, what is that conversation really about? It's not about her. It's not about her blackness or what blackness really defines. It's about the fear of what white folks are going to do to what she brought to identify with into a white space. That's how I see it. And I don't know that, they, that it's talked about that way. We're, we're worried about her and what she's doing, or they're worried about her and what she's doing because that's not what she should be doing. And she didn't give a shout out to the black folks. It's another, it's going to be appropriated, blah, 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 blah. All of that's happening. But in the background, what, what's, the, what's, the bottom, what's, the, what's the bottom line fear of that? And how in that bottom line fear... Are we not seeing that that is designed for us to be set up in that in that dynamic? I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna go back to the acceptance of truth. You know, um, I feel like you know 
truth is is facts. So a lot of people can't accept that. And even in our own culture, we can't accept that. And it's it's crazy that you speak speak about this because I had some I didn't have some recently, but I, I watched something recently, uh The Woman King. Um, oh God, I can't I, wait to see it. <laughs> okay. Well, um Tell me about it. Tell me your opinion. Because <laughs> I don't like when people spoil, man. That don't be blowing. But uh um I'ma say that uh I'ma just say that it it made me it reminded me, you know what I'm saying, a truth that as a nation that we still kind of suffer with, you feel me? Because don't get me wrong, um, our ancestors are the goats. Um, <laughs> white ancestry, they're not. But I'm going to just say that um, they're not all at fault for how this nation is. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We played a role. Our ancestors also played a role in how this nation is. Some of them never made it to this nation. Um, some of them, a lot of them, still be coming over here from over there. You know what I'm saying? And be be coming up. You feel me? Rising and rolling through the ranks. And partly of that truth that it took me to watch that film to. To you know, to accept was like, damn. You know, some of our leaders back then, our ancestors back then, was doing business with these slave traders. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's that part. You feel me? So when you can, when you can understand both sides of the coin, then you can you can grow because now you're 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 understanding and you accept the truth that hey, look, you know. You fucked up. Mm-hmm. The house. And I got to own my fuck ups. So until I do that, I can't be out here calling the kettle black. <laughs> you know? And it, and it, I shouldn't even have said that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> um, I can't be out here, you know, not acknowledging the fault that I played as well. Mm-hmm. Not me in general, just, just speaking. You know yeah. what I mean? I I have to acknowledge that piece because if I don't acknowledge that piece, then it's not real. Then mm-hmm. that means it's constantly angry black. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the narrative that I want to paint or other, you know, whoever may be listening or watch this joint feel like, oh, it's just, you know, two angry black folks sharing, sharing trauma, swapping experience. No, no. Dealing with educated people. So that's how I'm going to leave that. Oh, no. I mean, we could talk. I can look. I don't know if you know what I do for a living. I don't think I really share that on my podcast. No, you, what you, you didn't go ahead. You didn't share it. Yeah. So, um, I am an equity and inclusion executive advisor to help people understand their relationship to racism. I do that every single day. And oh, wow. yes, and I do it across the country. <laughs> I do lec- I lecture, right? And I, I lecture, I'm writing a book. I write for the Eugene Weekly. Um, oh. Yeah, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm writing a book. I do the podcast. I do all these things. I just, tr- I just passed my nonprofit to somebody else to, to carry on because I was doing a little too much, but um <laughs> So I, I talk about white supremacy culture daily, 
And when I talk to black and brown people about white supremacy culture, um, it's really painful because no matter what our relationship is to racism, we all have one. And it doesn't matter who you are. Post-colonialization is white, has, has aligned society with white supremacy culture. There's a way and an accepted behavior. The closer you are to that behavior, the closer you are to resource and access. The more that you can align to white supremacy culture, the better you are in society, meaning that the better placed or, or the better positioned you are, right? Buck dancers. Yeah, but well, I mean, you can even buck dancers. Yes, absolutely, and and there there's there is a insidiousness to white supremacy culture that I don't think black folks can see unless they understand how they're not healed. The, the so if you're if you're still if we are still taught as a collective talking about our wellness in comparison to our pain and not talking about our wellness and compared it to our strength, then we are still operating within white supremacy. And that is a deeper concept that I don't, I don't really recognize as a collective that we're talking about is our internalized oppression and our internalized belief of white supremacy culture, our, our practice of it. And so we, we want to think that we don't, but the truth of it is, if we were socialized in the United States, we absolutely do. Nobody, the white supremacy culture, it doesn't matter who you are, the only group that benefits from white supremacy culture is white folks, but everyone practices it. And so that we're practicing some shit that we will never benefit from. But if we're constantly balancing ourselves off of that concept, we will always be in a space of victimization. I'm not to kill this mosquito. We'll always be, I swear to God, it's just flying around, I'm just watching it. Um, we will always be in a position of having to, to climb. And that's, that's the part that I, that I struggle with to get across um, in, to the masses, I guess. No, no, and I, and I get that fully. And like, um, this is like, okay, um, being sovereign, you, you, you know, you, you know what that is, right? Yeah, of course. All right, so this is a conversation later on down the road that uh, my wife and I will revisit again. If um, <laughs> you just, all right, just you having that social security number and being involved, and being involved with this capitalist caste system. You know what I'm saying? You're always going to be a part of their thing. Um, so not today, one day at a time. That's what I'm working towards. You know, when you're multi-potentialite, you're always doing many different tasks. You got a lot of tasks open at one time. It's like control, all delete. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, it's that delete, you complete. So, you know, eventually, once you start checking off them boxes, that's what I'm working towards is I... I that's what I want to be. I want to be sovereign. And COVID really like put that into me. Because mm-hmm. uh, I realized, you know, like everybody else, you had a lot of time um, to think about things and do search, do homework. You know what I mean? 
there was the battle between getting vaccinated and not being vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to stop right there just for whoever's listening. I'm You're not, like, let me just stop. That's <laughs> the, that, but I'm going to just say, you know, like I, I really feel I'm really supportive on being sovereign because that's really breaking away from what you've been taught, what you thought, what you what you should be doing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm gonna no, leave it at that. I appreciate that, and I know we're like at about an hour, so we're gonna we'll wrap it up. But I mean, I do I appreciate what you're saying, and I think that from my perspective, meaning that. Like I said, my parents are from the Midwest. They're from St. Louis. Um, our ancestry goes back to Illinois and Alabama. Black is black is black, right? Um, and th- right? And then we go, you know, into our ancestries into Africa, of course, which my father always taught us and my mother always balanced us about the history of, of, um, of our ancestry. Not just physically, but, you know, spiritually. And I'm a multiculturalist. That's what I believe. I live in Costa Rica right now because this is where I'm comfortable. Costa Rica is not a black country. But this is what I'm going to say. I don't... Like most Costa Ricans, when I come and talk to Costa Ricans, they're like, well, we don't see... We don't don't do that here, right? They do 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 that here. But they're like, we don't do that here, right? The conversation a brown race uh, and my value is not based in a history of violence uh, where I can be here and their history uh, has a sense of humanity in it that we don't know it in the United States. But right. But our blackness, my blackness, the way I understand it is goes back to something we said earlier on in the, in the conversation is that I don't need anyone to tell me who I am. Um, so if I am in Costa Rica and I'm black, I'm black in Costa Rica. Just like if I go to, to Portugal, I'm black in Portugal, right? I'm black in Colombia. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to find black wherever black is because that's who I am. But also, because I know what black is, I'm not then intimidated and or turned away by anybody who doesn't reflect my blackness because I know what my blackness means. My blackness means my humanity is attached to theirs. They cannot have survived without my ancestors. I know that. But that doesn't mean that I have to do anything. That mean, To me, that means I actually see white folks and their problems as a stage of infantile development of spirituality. So I don't see it as a problem. Right? I see it as development issues and that if i if i can help i will it does not define who i am as a black person exactly so we can live together (laughs) like you know i'm gonna educate people who want to be educated Mm -hmm. if you don't want educated i'm not about to waste my time trying to educate you we're not there you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and when i also with like also with like blackness, um, I know a lot of people 
um, associate the word. There's there's those of the conscious group like to see black, you know, as as that part of the oppressor's word. But you know what I'm saying? When mm-hmm. I hear and see black, I think God body. Mm-hmm. Feel? I mm-hmm. think I think of our ancestors that were created in the image and not fully based in religion, but it's just like, you know, I've read a, a lot of things. I've, I've read a lot of different religions. Yeah. A lot of people read one. Mm-hmm. So, so when you're educated and you know about multiple religions and you hear the same terminology and you're seeing these same things from different geological places in the world, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even, even, um, uh, uh, art, not archaeology, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 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 it's late. Uh, I know. <laughs> architect, architectural places, mm-hmm. right? That look like us or have our history in it, which was been destroyed over time or broken down, you know what I'm saying? You start to realize like, oh, okay. So just because the term is now changed, it's still the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? It's still our history. That's, you know, and it's got some dark spots in there, but just mm-hmm. because in their book it's bad or negative doesn't mean in our history, in our songs, and the things that have been passed down that it wasn't positive. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm it's just got flipped over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and um, yeah, I just I just had to speak on that part. That, that, no, that I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Deontay, for coming and talking to me. I think our conversation was good. I needed to have it. I haven't had one about just uh, just the state of the union of black people lately, right? You know, and I feel like it's important that we don't forget that the answer is in our healing, no matter where you're at. We got to like look at each other, no matter where you are, no matter what language you're speaking, no matter what, uh, you know, geographical area you are, we're in this deep, right? We're all in this together. Gita la you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. You know, get me on a future show. Yes. Um, so we can have, you know, different conversations, similar conversations. I'm open to it. Thank you, sister. And I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing it with me. I appreciate you too. Hold on. Don't jump off. I'm going to stop the recording. <laughs>